Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. We upload a brand new podcast every Thursday, so be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have a question you want us to answer here on the podcast, just send an email to podcast at Mach1FG.com. If you want to learn more about your financial future, you can schedule a free consultation with any of our advisors here at Mach 1 with absolutely no obligation. Just head to Mach1FG.com for more information. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment. This is Mike Frost, and we're on episode 81, and last week we talked a lot about getting ready for 2022, and we're going to continue that topic today on saying things we should have ready for 2022. All right, let's start off with uh, Matt Walters here. He's our insurance expert. Matt, should we be thinking about insurance in 2022? Yeah, as fun as it is, everybody likes thinking about insurance, right? But no, this is a good time. You, most people have quite a few different insurance policies. When you think about like your homeowners, your auto, you might have an umbrella policy, you might have a life and disability with work or outside of work through, a, through an insurance agent that you know. You, you know, I mean, you probably have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different insurance policies of some sort. And I know it's easy to go year after year after year, just keep, keep paying those premiums, not really look at what's in there, what, what has changed. And so definitely, you know, dust them off pull out the policies look at is the coverage still appropriate maybe maybe you think it now's a good time to go out and get new quotes ran from someone else to see if you can get a you know more competitive rate i know insurance companies are fighting most of the time they're just fighting you know premium versus premium and so maybe you can go out and get a little lower premium when you're working on your budget like we talked a lot about last week so um yeah making sure that you have the appropriate coverage the insurance that you know we help people with we don't do property and casualty but you know, with long-term care, disability, life insurance on the personal financial side, making sure that you have those things in place and that you've insured, you know, your financial situation, your family's financial situation, so that if, God forbid, something happens to you, you know, at least your family's taken care of financially. Getting quotes right now is absolutely the right right thing to do. I was guilty of having insurance on my home and auto and all that with one company for 17 years. Never thought about leaving. They were good to us. But I had someone call me out of the blue and say, hey, can I quote you? I'm like, well, sure. The key is I wanted apples to apples. Here's what I got. I want you to quote me something exactly the same thing. And they did save me over $1,000 a year just by someone quoting it. But, again, you have to make sure it's apples to apples. The coverage are exactly the same because they'll put, you know, different perks in there, take some out to make it look good. But you got to make sure it's apples to apples. Uh, and David, I think you got a quote from the pandemic that says about what the increase is on buying life or buying insurance uh, last year. Okay, yeah, Mike, according to LEMRA, which is a research organization that researches life insurance, I suppose, <laughs> the uh, total number of policies sold in the first half of 2021 was up 8% over this same time last year. So, yeah, I mean, people are, you know, for better or for worse, people are thinking about their own mortality because of because of what happened last year in the pandemic. 
Well, and if it, now's the time to get it. The younger you get life insurance, the better off and the better rates you'll get. So that was the right thing to do. So that's, that was the highest policy growth recorded since 1983. You know who the president was in 1983? Reagan. Thank you. Okay. All right. That was just a side note. If you got that, you get bonus points. All right. How about now's a good time people to be thinking about their charity, how to give, how to give a tax efficiently. David, if, if I have IRAs or 401k money, qualified money, and I'm 70 and a half, what is the most efficient way for me to give to the charity of my choice? Well, we, we always recommend for our clients who are over 70 and a half who have IRAs to give first and foremost through their IRAs as what's called a uh, qualified charitable distribution, QCD, qualified charitable distribution. So what that does is it allows you to still comply with the government mandate that you take, you know, three and a half percent or whatever out of your uh, IRA that year or 401k. So you're still complying with the government requirement to take the money out. But since the money, if you give via QCD, the money never actually passes through your hand, it goes directly to the charity of your choice, as long as it's a legitimate 501c3. Um, since the income bypasses you, and since the 501c3 is a tax-free entity, they don't have to pay any tax on receiving the gift. You don't have to pay any tax on the gift either because you're not even receiving income from it since it's not coming through you. So for people who are charitably minded, who are already giving a certain amount per year to church or charity or whatever, the qualified charitable distribution is the ideal, most tax efficient way for you to continue giving to those charities that you love, but doing it in a more tax efficient manner. And now is the time to be planning for that. If you haven't done it for 2021, you need to get with it ASAP. But for 2022, you can be planning that instead of taking that distribution from the IR 401k, you can do this tax efficient way to give. It is the best, like David said, the best way to give tax efficiently. So uh, one other thing that I want to mention, Mike, about briefly about uh, end of year charitable planning, you can also do end of year gifting planning. So this would be uh, primarily for, well, really for anybody, but um, the, the current rule on gifting is you can gift up to $15,000 per year, per spouse, per child, without it affecting the recipient's tax return. So if you've got uh, a lot of assets, especially if you're really high net worth and you're worried about, uh, you know, if you're looking at uh, death tax potential uh, potentiality in the future, you might want to consider gifting. Uh, it's a popular thing that a lot of our clients do around Christmas time. So gifting up to $15,000 per year per spouse per child is a good way to get yourself under that Death tax and to rate. add to that, David, so fifteen thousand per year, you can. Get, David Lee can give anybody he knows fifteen thousand dollars per year. David Lee does not get a tax break, and the person right. receiving it does not get a tax bill. That's right. So if if David had married children, he could give fifteen thousand. His wife could get fifteen thousand. It'd be a total of thirty thousand dollars a person. I would highly recommend you do it in separate checks to make the 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 paper trail correct and that estate tax thing if you're getting close to that estate tax this is a great way to lower your estate efficiently okay so we talked about qualified charitable distributions we talked about gifting matt 
What about uh, required minimum distributions? What planning can we do now for 2022? Uh, I mean, you can start wrapping your head around what that might look like. Obviously, the RMD calculation is based off of the end-of-year value, so you won't know to the penny what it, what it will be until after the first of the year, but you can start looking at, you know, maybe – for example, if you're someone who's taking out of your IRAs on a recurring basis, um, I actually just had this conversation with a client. They're taking out their, their IRAs monthly. They want to satisfy their RMD for the year over the course of those 12 months. And so we need to know, you know, right at the beginning of the year, what is that amount going to be so that we can schedule that out over the course of those 12 months. So you want to you be thinking about those things now and just kind of have a plan for what that might look like so you're ready to calculate and, and do something at the first of the year. And Matt, you said it was determined on the value at the end of the year, and then it's also the other function is the, your age. Right. And the older you get, the more you have to take out each year. So it just continues to go up. The percentage, the percentage right. Continues right. to go up. Okay. So now we've got our, our giving. How about planning for next year's tax returns? I mean, we talked about the RMDs. Let's back up to that for a second. The RMDs, if, if we're, our RMD is too big, and we're taking all this money out that we don't need to live on. The example you gave, Matt, they need to live on. That's their monthly income. Right. But what if it exceeded that? And they said, you know, I really don't want to do this. What are some ways they can minimize their RMDs? Well, if it, yeah, I mean, you can have less than your IRAs or 401ks. So you either spend that money before you get to RMD age. You do Roth conversions before you get to RMD age or after and move some of that money over to Roth because there's not the same, you know, there's not the RMD requirements on Roth, Roth IRAs. And so, you know, the long and short of it is if, if that RMD is too much, you don't need all that money or or whatever the case may be. One strategy is just to try to get, have less money in your tax deferred accounts. And there's various ways to go about doing that. David, I like the way you always put it for 401ks and IRAs, the the pre-tax version, you always say that you, you're a (laughs) co-owner. You're a co-owner with who, David? With Uncle Sam, with, with the IRS. With Uncle Sam or Uncle Joe or whoever you want to call it. But you just don't know how much they're going to take until That's you right. take the distribution. By doing a Roth, you know exactly how much it is because you're going to pay the tax right then. Right. All right. Okay. So now we know a way to minimize the RMDs if possible. All right. So let's talk about tax returns. What we what do people need to do today to be ready in 2022 for their tax returns? I, I would just say start getting organized make sure you know um what to expect you know coming in terms of w-2s and 1099s and where it should be coming from so that you know come january february you you can check off and know which ones you've received which ones you haven't i know a lot of times you know there's one that there's stragglers that you expect that you need to get that that don't come as soon as others and so just knowing kind of wrapping your arms around what the situation's going to look like so that you can have a plan be organized and prepared and then kind of hit the ground running at the first of the year. Um, Cause they're, you know, taxes, that whole piece is complicated. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. And on that note, the other thing you can do is, uh, and we do this for a lot of our clients every year around November and December, we can run a report on any non-qualified accounts uh, to estimate what their realized taxable gains are for the year. So that way you have an idea of how much taxable income you're looking at for realize either short-term or long-term realized capital gains for the year. And on that note, if you see problems there, we can, depending on 
the various positions you hold within your accounts, you can do what's called tax loss harvesting at the very end of the year, which means try to sell off some of your losers or lower performing stocks that maybe you have some losses on to try to offset or mitigate some of the gains on some of your better performing stocks. And every CPA and tax preparer listening to us today is saying, yes, get that stuff prepared and ready. Don't wait to the last minute because invariably you'll forget something, then you'll get your tax preparation will be delayed. So go ahead and get all the information together, find out the stuff that's missing, request it, and then you're ready to file your taxes. One other thing we should do every year, and it's free, is pull our credit report. You know, there's a stat that says that about 90 plus percent of credit reports have a problem on it. And if you don't ever pull your credit report, you won't ever know there's a problem. So, Matt, David, either one of y'all know how to pull a credit report? Well, I, I always use, uh, I've got this app on my phone called Credit Karma that just, you know, I, I check it almost every day, which is kind of ridiculous. But, <laughs> a little over the top. Yeah, it's a little over the top. But uh, anyway, that's an easy way to do it. You can. There's lots of free apps out there. Credit Karma is the one that I happen to use, but you can literally pull up a free credit report every day if you want to and get your credit score. On Credit Karma, you can. Each of the reporting agencies, Experience, TransUnion, and Equifax, gives everybody one free credit report per year if you're not part of Credit Karma. And you get that through freecreditreport.com. That sounds pretty easy. Freecreditreport.com. If you've not pulled yours, do it. If you find an error on one, pull all three. And if there are errors, that tells you right there how to dispute them. But do that, because there could be somebody out there opening up a credit card, a mortgage, a car loan in your name, and you have no idea. Yeah, in fact, kind of on that note, uh, Consumer Reports got 5,800 people to take part in a study and pull their credit report. 34% of them found at least one mistake. The common, common mistakes were unrecognized debt reported to collectors, uh, payments that were wrongly reported as late, et cetera. So to your point, you know, it's, it's important to pull your credit report from time to time, make sure you don't see any mistakes on there, because if you've got a problem and you don't find out about it until you're trying to buy a house or a car or something that, that you need debt for, it could potentially cause you problems. If you do find some issues on there, you have to report it or either you're going to be liable for it. And sad to say, most often when there is a erroneous credit card or loan opened up, not erroneous, it's end up, it's usually a family member that did it. Grandma, mom or dad opened a credit card in your name. They had your social security number and you had no idea. And if you don't report it and you don't prosecute them, you are responsible for the bill. So you may have to put grandma in jail uh, to get that <laughs> off your account. Uh, but do run those reports. And if you have some issues with that, we highly recommend that you freeze your credit report. Very simply done on each of those websites, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. Just go on there. You want to freeze it. That means no new credit can be opened in your name, period. That means you too. But it's real simple to unfreeze it if that's something you wanted to do. All right. So pull that credit report. Know what's out there. At least you'll have it. All right. Our last point for today. Do you have a will or a trust? When you die, are there instructions on what happens to your stuff? David, if you died without a will or a trust, what's that called? Well, your estate would go through probate. Well, it's dying intestate. I think that's what you're getting at. But uh, the problem with that is that your uh, estate would get tied up in a potentially in a lengthy probate process where some 
probate court, probate judge, probate attorneys determine who your stuff should go to versus you telling it where to go. Well, and one of the problems, though, is there's so much misinformation out there with wills and trust is just because you have a will and a trust doesn't mean, like, anything. And a lot of people have taken the effort to go out and get a will or do a will online or set up a trust, right? And then they don't know what to do with it or they haven't done anything with it. And so it, it literally can make things even more complicated if, if you don't take the appropriate steps. So just having a will or having a trust doesn't mean you're done. You have to know what it's for, know what to do with it. Um, you know, we've ha- we have an attorney that we work a lot with um, that we all know, and she says she has more trusts go through probate than wills, right? And a lot of people think, well, I have a, a trust means I don't have to go through probate. And it, it, you know, it doesn't mean that. There's a lot more to it. It's a lot more complicated than most people realize. So just, just know what you have and know what you need to do with it. And, and one side thing of going through probate is that all your stuff is advertised. So everybody and their grandmother is going to know what you had or didn't have if things go through probate. That's a requirement. Um, okay, so we know we got to have that. We're all going to die. We don't. Nobody in here knows anyone that's lived forever. <laughs> now, Matt Walters may be the first, but we're all going to die at some point. So you need these documents in place, and to go along with your will or trust, you need a health care directive. What happens when you're incapacitated? What do you want to happen? You want to pull the plug or do all the life-saving measures? You determine now, and then get a power of attorney. A power of attorney can do whatever you can do. So, Matt, if you're my power of attorney, if I can buy stock, you could buy stock. If I could sell a car, you could sell the car for me. Whatever I can do, you can do. So you want to, and you want to, typically, I think, anyways, not a, you know, disclosure, we're not attorneys, but you want a financial and a health care power of attorney. That would be, that'd be I beneficial. Are, I think those are different. Yeah. Okay, to wrap up today, we talked about things we got to do to get ready for 2022. We talked about reviewing your insurance, reviewing how you're going to be how you're going to give of tax efficiently in 2022, whether it's a qualified charitable distribution, whether it's your required minimal distributions, doing Roth conversions uh, to prevent some of that. So making a plan, getting your tax returns ready, uh, pull your credit report and see if there's any red flags there. And certainly not least, but it's last today, is getting your will, your trust, your health care directives, and your power of attorneys. Get all that done. Get it done early in 2022, and that way you've got it done and you can move on. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about goals setting for 2022, and David Lee's got a a really nice acronym that he's going to teach you about that. So, well, that's it for today, episode number 81. We'd like to end each episode with uh, thought of the day. And for today, planning is bringing the future into the present so that we can do something about it now. Planning is bringing the future into the present so that we can do something about it now. That's our goal. You'll take this and you'll do something about it ASAP. Well, thank you again for joining us here today on the Mach 1 Market Moment, and we look forward to you joining us next week on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. 
SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak to your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit Mach1Financial.com slash disclosures.